like I was going to run an art page dedicated to coffee and not interview a roaster. <laughs> but seriously, Spencer was the first person I asked to be on the show when the Wild Brood podcast was but a mere idea, and so I was beyond stoked when he said yes. I've known Spencer for a hot minute, and he holds the title as my favorite coffee roaster. And no, it's not nepotism. I drank his coffee before I considered him a friend. Now, before we jump into this episode, I want to cover a few coffee basics just to give you an idea of how absolutely gargantuan of an industry coffee is, and why shopping and sipping local is the best and most sustainable way to stay caffeinated. According to the NCA, 66% of all Americans enjoy coffee every day. As reported by the ICO, 166.63 million 60 kilogram bags of coffee were consumed worldwide in 2020 through 2021. And half of those beans are sourced from South America alone. And while the EU is the largest importer of coffee, the USA comes in at a close second. Us Pacific Northwesterners, Washington specifically, hold the title for the most expensive coffee. And while we are on the top of expenses, the Motley Fool reports that the average American spends an average of $1,100 on coffee per person, per year. And I'm ashamed to admit it, but I know my personal total is way higher, but listen, we have to have our vices, okay? On a serious note, that is a lot of coffee and a lot of areas where ethics and sustainability fall to the cracks. Spencer, owner of Wilder Coffee, is going to kindly walk us through sourcing and roasting, giving his top tips for all things magic bean juice. Now grab your own drink of the gods and let's get roasting. Spencer, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on because one, as you know, you're my favorite co- coffee roaster on the entire planet. Um, <laughs> and yeah, Spencer makes the best coffee. Hands down. Um, if you don't believe me, you can ask Cross, who has sent me multiple profanity-laden texts <laughs> about how good it is. So thank you for being here today. I know you've got a busy day, so I really, really appreciate you carving some time out to chat with me about coffee. And so question one, how did you get into coffee roasting? Mm. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to see you. Um, <laughs> how did I get into coffee roasting? I was a youth pastor for quite a few years. And the direction that the church was heading in, I don't know if I was on board with that. And so I was just looking for an opportunity, something else, something to get out of my current situation. And a friend of mine came up to me and asked if I would want to take over his small coffee roasting hobby business that he had. And I didn't like the way he roasted his coffee. I didn't like (laughs) his coffee. And, but there was something that I was like, maybe, maybe I should look into this. You know, six months later, we started a business and yeah, it's, that was back in 2017 and just kind of stumbled into that. Before that, I had been in the local coffee industry as a barista for years. Mm -hmm. And so I had known the trade, I knew espresso, but getting into coffee roasting was new. We use a a Dietrich coffee roaster, which is right here. Uh, They're actually manufactured like an hour north of me. And so- That's right, um, the Sandpoint, right? Yep, up in Sandpoint. And so we went up there, ordered a roaster, and then took their coffee, coffee roasting like crash course. And so I was up there for quite a few days learning how to do all that. And super fun. I love it. It's just one of those things where you start to do it and you're like, oh, this is something I'm supposed to do. You know? Yeah. That's the best case scenario is like falling into like a life's purpose. And I didn't realize that your the roasting part of your business was actually pretty recent. I didn't realize it was 2017. For some reason in my head, like you've always been associated with coffee. So I'm just like, Spencer's been doing this since he was born. I got introduced to coffee in like real coffee, you know, mm-hmm. not like 
You know, I used to drink raspberry white chocolate mochas in high school. <laughs> yes, still not coffee. So, yeah, I, I would make that argument. But I went to school over in Seattle in 2007, and a friend of mine over there really introduced me to espresso and what was actually happening with the beans and drink construction and all that, and it was life-changing for sure. So when you're, when you're roasting coffee, the big one, how are you yeah. selecting beans to be roasted? And I know like coffee can have some ethical issues. So sure. is some coffee more um, ethically harvested? And finally, to tack into that with ethical harvesting and roasting, how is your coffee different from, say, like the big green mermaid that we all know of? <laughs> the, the siren. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, good, good questions. So, you know, I think coffee is now the third largest traded commodity in the world. It used to be second down from oil, but now data is like the most traded commodity. So there's a lot of hands involved with moving coffee around the world. And it can get, you know, just like with anything, it can get shady. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we do, you know, being a part of not just the coffee community, but the specialty coffee community, all of our coffees are graded a certain level and um, that kind of pushes you into a more ethical arena already. What I do, you know, just being a small business and, you know, I have employees, but for the most part of roasting and sourcing, it's a one-man show. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I partner with three different importers and all of them ethical sourcing and paying farmers adequate wages, you know, all of this are huge priorities in these importers. And so they're the ones that I work with closely and my importers, you know, Selly down in San Diego and Jen in Portland and Chelsea up in Seattle, these are the ones that will go to the farms, you know. I think two of them are uh, Q graders, which is like the coffee snob <laughs> achievement. <laughs> and so they're actually at the farms, meeting the farmers, talking, you know, looking at the beans at site. And so they're a huge resource for me because I don't have the time to go down to the farms myself and roast for all of my clients. You know, that is on the docket one day down the road to be able mm -hmm. to do that. But right now, taking advantage of the relationships that I have with my importers and just knowing the care that they have for the farmers and the product itself. Yeah, when whenever there's something that just, you know, whether it's in coffee, business, life, something rubs you the wrong way, you know, just mm -hmm. stay away from it. Yeah. And so far, we haven't had any of those cases in our business. It's just been really sweet. Yeah, I think that answered your question. No, it totally. And that's like the best, most simple life advice. If it rubs you the wrong way, it's probably wrong. So stay away. Mm. Goes for everything with coffee. And I'm assuming that the siren is more of like a batch pro or not a batch process or like a, a wholesale <coughs> where there's just like a conglomerate that just collects the beans and just like here's a flat rate. Yeah, they're they're interesting. I don't know a whole lot about how they do things, but they're a giant. You know, they're yeah. there's. I don't think a company that even comes close to what they do. If you go to their reserve bar in mm -hmm. Seattle, and I think there's one in Chicago as well, they have a lot of small micro lots. And mm -hmm. so not only do they just buy swaths of acres of coffee farms, but they also have these micro lots where they're working on smaller projects. So I think it's kind of hard to pinpoint what they do wrong and what they do right mm -hmm. um, because they're so big. Right, yeah. I'll have to do a little bit of investigative journalism and plug some, plug some yeah. facts in right here. <laughs> Starbucks. Oh, Starbucks. Yes, they are the largest coffee house company in the world, gobbling up 3% of the world's global coffee supply. And they know they are big, and with size comes the public eye. 
Whether their commitments to sustainability are more for PR or an actual want to help is not for me to judge, though I still judge. I'm very judgy. Anyway, they do have a sustainability report that they release every year, and it does contain their sustainability progress and contributions like training farmers on sustainable practices for free, paying a premium above commercial market price, or donating disease-resistant trees to farmers. Picking through the obvious corporate greenwashing, it would make sense for Starbucks to invest in their main crop because... Duh, no beans, no profit. And by that I mean no beans, no 4 million coffee drinks sold every day. But the glaring problem with Starbucks isn't their beans, it's their waste. They admit that they generate 6 billion disposable cups per year, and they've been talking about alternatives since 2015. But to date, no real development on truly sustainable cups has materialized. But hey, they did mention that 1% of all their beverages are sold in reusable cups, so that's something, I guess. So I guess it kind of answers the next question a little bit, um, and that was, do you personally have a relationship with the farmers that grow the beans, which it sounds like your suppliers do, but have you met them? I have not met them mm -hmm. yet. The relationships that we have with our importers, you know, I can call them up and be like, hey, I want to be down in Honduras and meet my farmers mm -hmm. down there, and they'll organize that immediately. Yeah, so it's more of like a time crunch, you know, right. being a business owner and having <laughs> wanting to enjoy life, you know, yeah. like I love yeah. my job. I love what I do. I'm not going to do anything else. But you still want family time, you still want, you know, recreational time, you right. still want to not be a slave to the job. Yeah, no, the boundaries is something I'm still, mm. still, still learning. God, yes. I love it. <laughs> if any issues have you run into, how have you overcome them? And I know that bean prices fluctuate because I know that crops mm. are, I mean, it's, there's so many variable variables that will affect coffee, affects its sustainability. So what has been your experience with that? Yeah, you know, it was pretty straightforward for me. You know, our importers really uh, like to take care of smaller businesses. Mm -hmm. And so they made it pretty easy for me to source those beans and, you know, the little guys it's easy for us just to piggyback on bigger projects that are happening mm -hmm. and so when someone brings in you know a container or two of this coffee we're able to get a few bags here or there mm -hmm. or you know our importers will bring in a mixed container of specific micro lots and coffee from different mills and co-ops as far as coffee prices and how that affects us you know we were fine until covid hit yeah. and yeah. then coffee prices more than doubled and Oof. so, uh, yeah, it was, it was not fun, but being a smaller business and having a uh, lower overhead, we were mm -hmm. able to kind of battle that storm a little bit better than some of the bigger guys. And, you know, we had, we did have to raise our prices to just match the cost coming in, mm -hmm. but it wasn't terrible and prices seemed to be cooling off a little bit, which is nice. Yeah. But, you know, I think as far as sustainability and what we do, it's because the world is always evolving, always changing. Mm -hmm. It's hard to set like these rigid standards of like, this is what I do because you might have to change that in a week and a half, you know? Right. Absolutely. And so just keeping the mindset of like, you know, how can I be the most transparent, the most authentic, mm -hmm. the most honest in what I do and all those factors, keeping them in your head when you're making decisions on who you're buying from you know, even wanting to work with more local operations. Mm -hmm. And so my freight company is based out of Spokane. And so mm -hmm. then, you know, just, just trying to be an efficient team player in the small guys, you know, yeah. I think that helps in not adding to the bigger machine that yeah. our country can turn into. So yeah, just keeping those things in mind. I wish I had a better, like rock solid answer for you. No, but. no, that's great. And the one thing that I've always appreciated about you and Wilder Coffee is you've always treated the beans as more than a commodity 
It's always yeah. been more of an experience and um, a community building tool, which I've always really appreciated that about you and your business. And when you go onto your website, you've got like a list of values, what you just said, like honesty and transparency. And then I know that you partner with One Tree Plant, and I know that's really important um, yeah. for that if you, uh, for your subscriptions and stuff like that. And I've always really loved that about your, your coffee and your business and creating that community experience, which I think is awesome. My biggest thing, how is roasting your coffee done? Because I... I, the only thing I know about coffee roasting is like you can get robusta beans and you can get mm. ar- ar- arabica. Wow. I don't yep, know. So arabica. This is how much I yep. know about coffee. Here's the thing that I know about coffee. I text <coughs> you. I say, what do you have that tastes like this? <laughs> and then you're like, I got it. Yep. So you are right. That robusta and arabica are the two types of beans that coffee roasters roast. Robusta typically, now times are changing. Quality of robusta beans is getting better. Typically, Robusta would be like Folgers, Uban. It's a bigger bean, it's a bigger fruit, has more caffeine. The taste is not as good as Arabica, but it's a far hardier plant. It's easier to farm. It's not as susceptible to certain diseases that can affect plants in those areas. So we do not roast any Robusta at Wilder. Um, We only roast Arabica. There is another type of coffee that they're looking at roasting. Uh, It's still early in production, but it's something that would be easily grown, but it tastes more like Arabica than Robusta does. So they're still trying to figure out the best way to go about that. Is it a hardier bean? Because I know that if if I remember correctly, Arabica is very disease prone in certain regions of the world. So is this new bean like the super bean or... I, I don't know. I don't know okay. if it's more or less disease prone. I know it's easier to grow as far as location. So Arabica likes to grow up on high mountains, you know, like in the movies where the character has to go get the flower on the side of the <laughs> mountain to get like the special herb. So Arabica loves our good tasting Arabica beans are a product of tension. And so if there's like storm or stress on the plant, that creates a better tasting bean in the long run. This feels and like so, a life metaphor. Absolutely. <laughs> so this other bean, I forget, other type of coffee that they're working with, I forget the name of it. It can be grown at lower altitudes. It can be grown um, more readily. And so they can get a lot more plants out there because of the space that it's grown in. I don't know if I'm dropping coffee secrets on you. I don't know if I was supposed to share that. The Illuminati might take me out. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't hear from you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, just. I'll be concerned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we only use Arabica, and so we get Arabica from all over the world Indonesia, Africa, South America, Central America. You know, coffee being a fruit, part of the idea when I go to roast that coffee is how can I bring those fruit flavors out of this bean, out of this seed rather? And so, you know, I can roast coffee for a long time and get those lovely roasted burnt flavors that so many Americans love. Um, Mm -hmm. Or I can peel that back a little bit and, you know, get more of that cherry, grapefruit, you know, blueberry, and you still get the chocolates, you still get the caramels, you still get those warm round flavors that we love. But, you know, we, we stick the seeds in this machine right here and there's a drum in there. So it's just rotating and roasting all those beans evenly. And what it's doing is caramelizing those sugars and fats that are retained in the coffee seed. And I forget what the numbers are, but coffee, like compared to any other plant, has the most like flavonoids per area and so there's a lot more chemical reactions happening in a coffee seed than like if you were going to roast a cacao bean or something like that or an almond and so 
there's just a lot of potential packed in each mm -hmm. coffee that we get. And so you can roast a coffee a hundred different ways and get a hundred different tasting drinks, you know? It's like, how do you mean, <clears throat> excuse me, how do you maintain uh, consistency? And also I'd imagine like the first year of you roasting, you're like probably sweating over the roaster being like, please, <laughs> please just work. Like sure. that'd be me. <laughs> so going back to like, oh, I'm supposed to do this, you know, mm -hmm. during our roasting class, we'd have like coffee cuppings where we're going around the room, we're all tasting the same thing. We're talking mm -hmm. about what we taste and, you know, coffee because, you know, you and I might eat an apple and it tastes one way to you and one way to me or cilantro mm -hmm. and you love it and I hate it, you know, and I love cilantro. So we're already, so does that. my wife. We're still, <laughs> we're still fighting about that. But, you know, being able to be on the same page as far mm -hmm. as what we're tasting, that's a big thing that the coffee community strives for. But for me, during that class, during that cupping, the instructor kind of singled me out and said, pull me aside, he's like, you just use your palate. Like, mm -hmm. you taste and go with that because you, you've got this, you know. Whatever you're tasting is right on with what we're trying to accomplish. I have been chosen. Farewell, my friend. I go on to a better place. And so I was like super encouraged by that. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's what I've done. Like, this tastes good. I'm going to do this, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's clearly worked for you. I, I guess for so. Sure. People like it. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. I was kind of scared like during COVID and people were like, oh, my taste changed forever. And I was like, oh, no, is this going <laughs> to happen to me? Um, but I think, I think we're okay. Yeah, so I just roast to, to my palate. You know, one of the things I do for my wholesale clients, so primarily we're a wholesale roaster. 90% right. of our business is for local shops and uh, places in town. And I kind of go to them and say, what do you want in a coffee? And so part of the challenge for me is to create a roast for them that ticks all of their boxes and gives them a product that they love. So I get to take care of them and they get a coffee that only their shop serves, you know, and they have some ownership in that. But then for me, like on my website or, you know, just for my own personal consumption, I get to find all these little fun coffees and bring them in and roast them how I want to taste them. Because most of the people that are going to a coffee shop to get a 16-ounce mocha don't care for the single-origin Ethiopia that tastes like grapefruit, you know. So in my job, I get the best of both worlds. You know, I get yeah. to please the masses and still create something that's art, you know. And so it's, it's super In my good. head now, you're just roasting in a wizard robe with like coffee <laughs> alchemist. Over yeah, roaster. I, I took the robe off for the interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't want it to be weird. I mean, <clears throat> bro. <laughs> it doesn't help the fact that you breed pythons in, for no. your hobby. So. Nope. Super weird. Nah, dude, you make awesome coffee. <laughs> and so your favorite, like, I'll just mention it here. You said that, you, do you just prefer the Guatemalan coffees? If you, if, or are you just like, everything? Sure. Just um, everything? I, I love everything but right. if you know if you were stuck on an island and for the rest of your life you only had one type of coffee i think the coffee that i have most consistently enjoyed is that guatemalan you get the chocolates you get the cherries sometimes there's mm -hmm. citrus in there there's pear notes you know and i think what i'm looking for in a cup of coffee is found mostly in those you know i still love mm -hmm. super fruity ethiopians you know there's a few natural Brazils that are coming out right now that taste super great. But I think, yeah, if I had to choose one, it would probably be micro lots from Guatemala. I can get behind that. I love the Central <laughs> South American coffees. I'm still working on the Ethiopians. Every now and then I'll have one. I'm like, oh, that's okay. 
Yeah. yeah, I like it. I will say, the one that I just ordered from you, and I can't remember where it came from, but the banana blueberry yeah. flavors, I was, I've never had, <clears throat> excuse me, coffee that tasted like banana. I was like, holy cow. Crazy, you're huh? right. It was yeah. the craziest thing. And that was the, the text message from Cross, full of <laughs> profanity. I sent yeah. one of those, too. And now our first review from Crossland. Holy <laughs> this coffee is amazing. It's citrusy, but the more prominent flavors are definitely the banana and blueberry. This is an amazing cup of coffee. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I didn't think I could beat a bigger coffee snob. Cross and you might go on <laughs> just fine. I'm sure. Just for fun. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had any roasting disasters? One. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those things where it's like, well, I'm never going to let that happen again. You know, being the, the one-man show and I, I'm not a, how am I going to say this? I love to multitask. I love mm-hmm. to be efficient. And so, you know, being coffee roasting, being something that needs to have your eyes on it, you know, pretty much the whole time. I still find myself trying to sneak things in there. Like, what can I do? What can I do? And most of the time it's perfect. You know, we have two monitors on either side of our roastery that show us exactly what's happening in the roast. So I'm always keeping my eyes on it. But I took a phone call from... I think it was like my accountant or something like that. Dang accountants, it's always I know. <laughs> and it was near the end of a roast and I should have not taken that call. And I looked up and we were way past where I wanted to be and just turned it into, you know, I mean, I wouldn't even suggest this coffee for like a body scrub. It was just, <laughs> it was gone. And uh, oh, no. yeah, so I was like, okay, that's, that was that. I learned that probably four years ago and was like, never again, never. Will Did we you do this rage again. fire your accountant? I can't imagine you rage firing anyone, but that would still be a really funny. Oh no, you're talking answer. about wizards. My accountants are wizards, so I'm not gonna. <laughs> you cannot anger no. the, uh, the brotherhood. <laughs> exactly. The people that know taxes and all that, I'm not gonna anger them, no. I'm the same way. There's like that's, that's the last thing I want to do is anger my accountant because Lord knows the IRS would be knocking on my door if I had to do my own taxes. <laughs> it would be bad. Another just for fun question. Mm-hmm. The aesthetic for your brand is my favorite branding aesthetic I have ever seen, and that even goes towards bigger, bigger companies. Did you just like sit down one day and be like, This, I like this, or was this mm-hmm. Jess's thing, or like Where is this beautiful aesthetic you guys have for your brand coming from? Yeah, so it's not inside of me. It's it's definitely my wife. You know, most like family run businesses are like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the husband and wife, shoulder to shoulder, getting it done. And that's not us. Like (laughs) my wife doesn't drink coffee, you know, she She, wait, she doesn't drink coffee? No. So she I I don't hold it against her. She has a caffeine sensitivity and she'll say that's fair. She'll sip coffee. Um, it's pretty funny. She enjoys the taste of coffee, but can't have much more than a couple sips. But she will, I'll be like, what do you think of this coffee? She's like, it's okay. I'm like, what do you think of this coffee? And she's like, oh, this is fantastic. And the one that's fantastic is like $40 a pound. Like, <laughs> of course. Her taste is like, I'm like, okay. So she's kind of a good bloodhound to have around of like, mm-hmm. this is a decent, expensive top shelf coffee but she is the one that has the eye she's an artist she's a photographer she's you know i i'm the you know i don't know if you're into the enneagram but i'm like oh, the yeah. three overachiever gotta get stuff done and you josh your threes yeah i can see it i can totally yeah. see it i just wake up to seize the day and like <laughs> shake the heck out of it and just 
will wake up like at 10, you know? And <laughs> if the birds wake her up, that's the best, you know? And um, so she's very much, she feels far more than I do. She sees beauty in things far more than I do. And so I'm not allowed to post for our business because, you know, I told you I was in youth ministry for a long time. Uh -huh. And so, you know, I have some skills in graphic design and all that stuff. But um, if I make a poster, it's going to look like a junior high youth event. You know, <laughs> oh, if no. I dress myself, I'm going to look like I'm going to a skate park to make friends. Um, so Jess <laughs> is in charge of all things aesthetic, you know, so that's very much her. Is Jess as real? Well, she's done a fantastic job. I agree. I agree. Uh, now we're going to get into a few like more listener geared uh, questions. And the biggest one that I got was you're late for a meeting and you just finished your pot of coffee and it brewed like the most horrible, horrific HP Lovecraftian horror. And you have like two seconds to fix it. Like how would you personally salvage the world's most unfortunate situation? Sure. Or do you just go without caffeine? <clears throat> Nope, that's never an option. Okay. <laughs> so there's there's two things. Like if I'm making coffee and I taste it, I'm like, oh, this is over-extracted. You know, it's just too strong. Like it's just making it unpleasant. Just easily add a little bit of water. I'll just throw a little bit of tap water in there um, just to break down that strong flavor a little bit. If it's like a scenario where it's just bad coffee, like for whatever reason you had like gas to- gas station? Right, you had to pull something out of the back of your cupboard. I, I'm not, I have to be careful how I say this. So you know those like hazelnut coffee mate creamer things? Like yes. maybe <laughs> have one of those in the back of your fridge for emergencies where you just have to drink the coffee, you know? <laughs> there's one of the guys early in my coffee career told me, Spencer, there's only two kinds of coffee. There's need coffee and there's want coffee. Want coffee is the coffee you go and spend six, seven, eight dollars on a cup of coffee because you want that specific roaster or origin or whatever. Need coffee is whatever you can get in your mouth the fastest in the morning. <laughs> and so that's, you know, if it's need coffee, even if it tastes bad, like, like if you need a stiff drink at the end of the night and it's just bad whiskey, some nights you don't care. You're just, you just gonna, take a shot. <laughs> you're going to take it. Yeah, so that would be, you know, if if you're a flavored coffee person, maybe having a, a, you know, for emergencies, break the glass coffee mate thing right there. But yeah, and it, maybe just toughen up and drink bad coffee if you need <laughs> caffeine. I don't know. I don't How know. How do you feel about those like little instant packets of coffee? Like, is that like a, mm. a, like a serious desperation? Like we hit a nuclear <clears throat> holocaust situation or do you just like avoid those at all cost? Yeah, so there are a lot of specialty roasters getting into that where they're having really? their coffee freeze-dried and made into instant coffee packs. Super expensive, but, and I've tried a few of them and it's okay. You know, it's definitely better than, you know, Folgers Instant or whatever. I, so I think there's a good way to do it. I think there's a good way to have quick coffee. The, the easiest way for me, most convenient way is to make a cold brew concentrate at home and then just add that to hot water. And so you're able to get out the door in two minutes and it's not this crazy extensive 10 minute operation. But if I'm traveling, like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. <laughs> it, you know, when you go to an airport, like, and Starbucks is there, you're like, thank 
God for Starbucks because, yeah. you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to get caffeine and it's going to know, yeah. I know what it's going to taste like, you know, mm -hmm. and there's Starbucks, there's sweet cream, cold brew. Like oh, it's, really it's, it's not bad. Like it's not bad. Josh, uh, every time, like throughout our entire marriage, like Starbucks, he refuses to stop at any other coffee stand because he says Starbucks is so consistently mediocre. He at least knows what he's getting. Yes. Like, he's not wrong. And, and the other thing, we can thank Starbucks, you know, everybody in the specialty coffee industry can thank Starbucks for their customers because Starbucks mm -hmm. turned the whole country onto coffee, you know? It's and true. so like, you know, their customers eventually migrate to something nicer, something a little bit more local or artisan or whatever. And so we can thank Starbucks for so much. They've, they've ruined a lot, but they've also done <laughs> a lot for us. That's fair. They're like the ambiguous villain in the story. Like, uh, that's right. You see, kind you, of like you kind of need them. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. Joker to our Batman. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh Batman. Yes. Oh, that make a fantastic re rebranding logo design. Just not gonna lie. Okay, <laughs> so you're a broke college student, and you're just in a grocery store, and you're like, I need coffee, and I don't want to support the Joker of coffees. So, how do you like? What's the best common brand of beans? And how would you go about selecting from an average grocery store? Like what makes a good, like standard commercial bean? Yeah. What's cool about local um, roasters is they'll find their way into grocery stores. And so like we have a local roaster here and they sell a few of their roasts at the local grocery store for pretty decent price. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're broke, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> Enjoy your Folgers. <laughs> yeah, like if you're looking for the cheapest way to make coffee, the, okay, so the cheapest way is definitely buy your own beans, make it at home, you know, don't go mm -hmm. to a coffee shop every day. You know, Americanos nowadays are three, four dollars, and you're just like, it's crazy. This one was three, and I was yeah. just like, and I always tip because I love my barista, so it was a four dollar Americano, and I love it. But exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so if you're broke, definitely invest in making coffee at home. You can go get like a Hario V60 pour over. I think the plastic ones are nine bucks and they're actually oh. really decent because plastic retains the heat better than mm -hmm. the glass or the ceramic ones. And so you're, you're able to make a really good cup of coffee for, you know, pennies at the end of the day. So just, you know, look for those local roasters at your grocery store. Mm -hmm. If I had to pick like a national brand, Stumptown is decent. Um, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, what's that other one? Uh, Kicking Horse, if you get their their lighter roasted coffees, it can be okay. At this point, I'm just pulling stuff out of the air. <laughs> it's I don't, fine. I don't know. It's fine. You didn't say Folgers, so you get a pass. Yeah, no, if, <laughs> yeah. What is the absolute best way to snub corporate coffee and brew coffee at home, hot and iced? So you're not pressed for time, you're not pressed for, you know, finances. What is like, what is the Spencer's approved way of brewing coffee at home for both temperatures? So my daily is gonna be the Hario V60. That's probably my favorite way to do that. Now I zhuzh it up a little bit and they have these uh, porcelain cone type apparatuses that you can slip down into your V60. And so instead of a complete cone, kind of creates a flat bottom donut shape for your V60. And then uh, there's a tool called a mellow drip. I always use a gooseneck kettle, controls the flow rate of the water. But then this little tool called a mellow drip that creates like a shower head. So it just evenly distributes that water across your grounds. So it it's totally pretentious, but it, 
creates the best cup of coffee, you know. <laughs> if I wanna go all out, I'll use my German-made hand grinder. And so I know that this is like <laughs> gonna be the best cup of coffee. And it, it'll take me 10, 12 minutes to get all of this done. Cold coffee, if I'm, if I have like a Central American, South American coffee, I'll do cold brew. And depending on what I want to do with it, you know, if I want to use it as a mixer or if I want to, you know, have a ready drink cold brew, um, I'll change my ratios up for that. Mm -hmm. But if I have an Indonesian or uh, Ethiopian, African coffee, I'll do a, like a flash brew. And so I'll do a pour over, but compensate some of that water with ice. And so I'm pouring that right onto ice and so it comes out cold, but you get more of those bright, juicy flavors that you're looking for. I don't know, were you uh, in our coffee shop while you were here at Fern? Yeah, I love the slow bar, it's beautiful. So we have that big uh, Kyoto cold brew tower in the back. Mm -hmm. So that takes like 18 hours to produce this oh, slow drip coffee. Gold. And it really is, it's, you know, you get the smoothness of cold brew, but then you have the complexity of, you know, that drip coffee. And so I don't have one of those at home. And, you know, you kind of have to plan the day before to get your cup of coffee yeah. the next day. <laughs> that that coffee's amazing, fantastic. Yeah. Nice. What is your favorite ratio for cold brew for Central South American coffees? Because I feel like I'm messing mine up somehow. Yeah, uh, my ratios are always like way too big for the average coffee consumer. Cause no, I'm that's, like... that's fair. I'm using like one, to, I actually ended up buying like a little cold brew maker where you just like put the grounds yep. in it and you can't screw it up because I kept screwing it up. And I, I am not the coffee alchemist. I am not even like a coffee apprentice. I irritate <laughs> Josh so much with how I brew coffee because he's like you where he's like, it must be perfect. Yeah. So would your, would your advice just be, Please just buy a little, a little cold brew maker. That's, that's a great way to do it. You know, Toddy makes a countertop one. That's super great. Um, I use a Filtron countertop one. Um, you can get uh, Alto makes personal uh, home size coffee filters. And so you just pack that thing and zip tie it and shove it in a huge mason jar. So yeah, there's good ways to do it. Um, unfortunately, it, it's to taste. And so... Yeah. I like people are like, oh, tell me how to create the best cup of coffee. I'm like, it's trial and error until <laughs> you get it right. And um, it's an art, not a science. Be an artist. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which I I want to push against that myself. But you know, I can I can tell people how to do it. And but yeah, then I'm gonna say, okay, then you have to tweak it from there. Yeah. For your sake, you know. Got it. So since we're already talking about equipment, what is the one piece of equipment that you literally cannot live without? Yeah. It must be in your arsenal at all times. You gave me this question like two weeks ago and I've had two <laughs> weeks to think about it and I don't know. Cause I was like, oh, you, you need, you know, your pour over, which I use the, the Hario V60. Can't live without that. But then I'm like, oh, but you need like a decent kettle. So you need like your kettle, mm -hmm. but then you need a grinder. So you need like a decent grinder. And so like there's a, a company called St. Anthony's Industries. They're here and they make a lot of coffee equipment and they actually sell like this brewing kit that has all mm. those things like inside of it. And so I'm like, well, maybe that, but it's like 10 pieces of equipment inside this box. I mean, it's all in a box. So technically, yeah, yeah. I think I'll let it pass. <laughs> if I had to choose one, cause like if someone gave me a blade grinder, I could, I could make it work, you know? Yeah. Uh, if someone gave me a crappy kettle, I could make it work, but I think your pour over is probably what I'd have at the end of the day. And so whether that's okay. your Kalita Wave or your Hario V60, or, you know, there's a 
the origami brewers are really cool. Just pick your favorite pour over and, and make that happen. And some sort of stick to uh, agitate those grounds if you don't have the, the kettle that you need. With that said, what is your biggest coffee pet peeve? Mm. You see it and you just instant rage. This, I, I think it just translates over from other areas of my life, but like coffee know-it-alls. When someone comes in and tells me that they've got the best such and such or the best way, or they know so and so, and it's just like, shut up. Like, <laughs> there's a hundred different ways to do what we're doing, and mm -hmm. it's all tastes great, you know? And, yeah. and that's, you know, Jess gets mad at me, like, whether we're talking about theology or philosophy or politics or someone comes in and they're just like waving this flag and I'm just like she's like stop playing the devil's advocate I'm like but I have to <laughs> they need to be taken down a couple notches uh so in the coffee world it's the same thing when someone you know comes in and they're like I'm definitely a coffee snob when it comes to like how th something that I'm making should taste mm -hmm. but if you know, I'm at one of my coffee shops that I roast for and they're all nervous because they're making me a cup of coffee and it's not the best, you know, but I'm not gonna be like chastising them because yeah. of what they, I'm like, just keep it up, you know, like you're gonna get there yeah. and you're gonna make something beautiful one day and this is all part of the journey. When someone gets upset about how their coffee was made somewhere, I'm like, there's better places to spend that energy, you know? Yeah. For sure. I will say, and I'm not proud of this, but when it, Josh and I have had only a very handful of fights in our entire marriage. Like, <laughs> I can count like five. One of them was over a cup of coffee. I'm not proud of it. I'm the one who started it. It was the worst <laughs> cup of coffee I've ever had, and we got into an argument over it because he's like, just drink it. It's just caffeine. And for some reason, my biggest uh, pet peeve of coffee is like, if I go pay for coffee, yeah. and it's so undrinkable, I'm like, I just paid this person $5. That's fair. That's fair. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, not it's, my it's a, a lesson learned, right? You're like, yeah. I will spend that $5 elsewhere. Yeah, For sure. And I am, it's still, I, I still think about it and I cringe about it now because it was a, it was a stupid fight, but I mean, <laughs> it tracks. The very last question I was asked by a listener is, if you want to get fancy, what are some different spices you recommend adding to the grounds as you're brewing? I have never done this before. I knew it was a thing, but... Like, I like, I'm a coffee purist, so. Yeah, I'm probably in the same realm that you're in. You know, I'm not gonna mm -hmm. add much to my coffee. I do think that there's room to play with. And so like, we'd add like cinnamon to our espresso <clears throat> porta filters before we'd pull the shots. Um, sometimes we would put raw sugar in the shot itself or in the bottom of the shot glass. And this is all, you're just playing around. You know, you have the purists that would just be ripping their hair out right now. But the other thing I want to play with, we've done it a couple times, but I know that there's, there's room and uh, definitely beautiful product to get out of it, but adding like cloves and stuff to your cold brew. And so you're coming Ooh. out with like a spiced fall tasting cold brew and so you're you're bringing that summer drink into the next season and yeah we we just started serving espresso at our coffee bar downtown uh this year nice and so we've been playing around with drinks and one of the things that we're doing is having like a seasonal menu and really excited about some of the things that we're adding to espresso in there we i don't know if i can say the drink I'm working on right now because it's still kind of in, that's fair. in uh, production. Corporate secrets yep. or... That's, that's Corporate. Fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 
So I'll just tell secrets. you right there. You just pushed me over the edge. I'm like, we're not, <laughs> no, we're not. No, don't tell me. It's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a text later. I'll tell you. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Is there anything else you want to add or touch on um, as we close this extremely informative segment on the world's best food and beverage? Mm, I would just encourage people to drink different coffee. You know, you know what you mm-hmm. love and try something new because one day you're going to wake up and like you're like, oh, now I love Ethiopian coffee because I found this, you know. So I would just encourage people to expand their palates. And along with that, when you have the opportunity to drink bad coffee, like on an airplane, do it because it's going to remind you that your palate is where it is and not back here. And yeah, I think it's it, like another metaphorical life. Oh man, advice. I'm just, <laughs> just full of them. You're full of them this morning. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So on the way out, I always ask guests their top three tips for sustainability, um, how to be a better steward of the planet, how to be a better community member, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So since you're so full of life <clears throat> wisdom today, Spencer, mm. dish it out. Yeah, I feel like it's hard for me to say that I'm part of this like sustainability camp because I'm not a big activist for those things. Like that's just not my personality. You know, when you have mm-hmm. like these these um, people that are out there dying for the cause and that's not me on that end, but you know, I do desire to be a good steward of our planet. I do desire mm-hmm. to see, you know, the environment taken care of. But uh, what's that Gandalf quote where it's like, uh, he doesn't think it's a great power that holds back evil, but the common mm-hmm. deeds of the everyday folk, you know, those yes. are the things that hold back evil. And so I think that's, it's the little things for us, you know, when yeah. we're walking around and you see trash on the ground, you know, you see, mm-hmm. you have the option to get a straw or not, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think paper straws can go to hell, but <laughs> you don't need a straw. That's how you really feel, Spencer. <laughs> I, there's a better product out there. People are like, we just made it out of paper. And like, paper and liquid doesn't go together. You know, soggy. Yeah. Just forego the straw in general. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, you know, being thoughtful and mindful of those little decisions that we see every day. And, and don't beat yourself up for getting the to-go cup at the coffee shop every now and then, you know. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, just make, make an effort. Yeah. That's one of my favorite Gandalf quotes, and I'm so glad you brought mm. it up because I think people get paralyzed um, with this idea of, like like what you said, you have to be out there like campaigning with signs and stuff. And I don't think that's, in my personal opinion, I think that has a place for sustainability, sure. but I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think sustainability and being a good steward of the planet and your community and your family starts with the little, little tiny acts because you can be like a great like voice, but if you're a total butthole at home, like... Pfft, your credibility is gone. So I agree with you completely. And I think that's a a very beautiful piece of advice. Yeah. So we can thank Gandalf for that, right? Thank you, Gandalf. Thank you, Gandalf. I come with tidings in this dark hour and with counsel. Yeah. I guess uh, my other thing would be get a reusable cup, but it has to be sexy. If it's not sexy, (laughs) you're not going to carry it around. You know, like you're not going to pull up to the coffee shop, could you like you fill this up? And it's just this like weird purple thing from REI. Like don't, yeah, get a sexy one. That's. What's your favorite sexy cup? I have a couple. Uh, this is one <laughs> of them. It's the Fellow Travel Tumbler. And then Kinto produces a lot of really cool ones. Japanese aesthetic. So there's, there's a lot out there. I can't like, okay. <laughs> I spend hundreds of dollars on these travel cups and that goes against like, 
my idea of like less is more, you know? So I'm like, <laughs> all right, okay, less is more. I just need one travel cup until I break it. And yeah. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I have some sexy cups and some definitely not, not at all. <laughs> yeah. You're right. I don't use less them. is more, Brie. Um, less is more. Less is more, less is more. And you know, I, I know that Jess went on like the minimalist journey and Josh and I have actively been going on a minimalist journey since we've moved a lot. And I have to constantly remind myself, I don't need it. Yeah. I don't need it. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to be part of that journey when, like, you're like, oh, we have kids or yeah. animals. And so they need yeah. all the things. And you're like, how is this being minimal? And then you get a business. And then we're starting another business. And we're just like, oh, my goodness. And, yeah. All righty. Well, Spencer, thank you so much for, uh, again, carving out time for your morning to literally talk about one of my favorite topics mm. and thank you it's been super I, fun yeah i appreciate your wisdom and again like just the the time commitment that you made to be here um and the wonderful coffee that you provide the world mm. and the sense and space for you have made for community in the northern community of north idaho i know it is well loved and i know that your coffee is well loved at least in my sphere thank you very <laughs> much it's encouraging good to you Roast for friends, family, strangers. It's, it's just, I love it. I love it all. Spencer, thank you so much for this enjoyable interview. I learned so much and I am just so grateful that you took time out of your very busy schedule to chat with all of us about coffee. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I highly recommend checking out Spencer's business. You can find him at wildercoffeeroasters.com. You can sign up for a subscription if you want. You can taste the micro lots he was talking about. If you're ever in North Idaho, you can stop by his slow bar and get a good cup of coffee. One of my favorite stories revolving around coffee is actually how coffee was discovered, and it's a legend, but it's something that I love. So according to legend, coffee was discovered in Ethiopia by a goat herder who noticed that after his goats ate a specific berry that they would not sleep at night like a very upset toddler. And so he decided to try to eat the berries himself, and he found that they gave him a lot of energy. So he told the local monastery about them, and the abbot there ate the beans, or the berries, um, I should say, and noticed that he could stay up praying longer. And word got out that there was this magic bean, and the rest is history. And now we have one of the largest industries in the world. So I guess you can thank your local goat for your cup of coffee. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to support the podcast, remember that I have an Etsy store where I sell grumpy little coffee animals who are drinking their morning cups of coffee and 20% of all profits go directly to the conservation group of the month. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Now go find the nearest goat and give it a big thank you hug. <laughs>